uh, we've been going through a series the last few weeks on the names of God. As you can see here on the walls, we've got a couple of names. First week we did the Lord is our shepherd. Last week we talked about Jesus being the true vine. And today we have another one. It's one of the widest and tallest banners in the room back there. Put it over here. Sorry, we got to... Some of y'all know me pretty well. We've got to make sure we're right dead center. Otherwise, I'm going to watch this video back later, and it is going to drive me up the wall. There we go. There we go. Good job, Jared and Don. Good job. I didn't even notice the other day. This has sparkles all in the blue. Um, today, we're talking about God providing. The Lord will provide. And, and the thing about each one of these names of God that are all throughout Scripture uh, and next week, I do have a, uh, Jared, wouldn't you say it's an exhaustive list of the names of God? <laughs> uh, that if you would like that, um, you might would rather me email it to you than print it out, because uh, it is r- longer than you would think. Um, but I'll sh- I'll sh- I'm going to bring it to you, print it out to show you next week. Uh, but if you would like that next week, let me know, and I will, will send that to you so you can get those names. But all throughout Scripture, God gives us some of his names. Um, speaks to us out of who he is, his nature, reveals some of his nature in the names that he gives uh, uh, to people to call him. But also people come at times uh, experiencing a characteristic of the Lord and they name that moment, that, that, that memory with a new name related to God of what God did for them in the moment. And that's part of what the name today is about, Jehovah Jireh. Uh, It's not just a good song, it is a name from Genesis chapter 22. You see, way back in Genesis 22, there was a man named Abraham. God had called Abraham out of a foreign nation to go to a new place. Abraham had faith and followed God, got there. God had told Abraham all the way back at the beginning, before Abraham even went to the place God told him to go. God told Abraham, one of your descendants is going to come and the whole world will be blessed because of that descendant, speaking of Jesus. Well, God came to Abraham again and told Abraham, even though he, was, he and his wife were well beyond childbearing years and had not had any children yet, God came to them and said, you're going to have a child. And from that child will come a descendant through whom the whole world will be blessed. Again, speaking about Jesus. Well, Abraham got a little impatient, his wife got a little impatient, and they tried to shortcut God's plan and caused all kinds of trouble. So they had to wait a little while longer for God's plan, and it came uh, later on uh, once Abraham uh, was 100 years old. God provided a son through whom the promise would come, the descendant Jesus would come. Well, that son began to grow. Again, this is key to the whole thing. God had promised through Abraham's son Isaac, the the, the blessing, the salvation to the world would come through that son. So as Isaac began to grow, God came to Abraham again and said, I want you to take the son through whom the world will be blessed from his descendants, and I want you to sacrifice him on the mountain in the distance. Well, Abraham didn't even hesitate. He packed up and left, grabbed Isaac, grabbed some of their servants, and they went on as everybody's carrying stuff and they get to the base of the mountain 
And they start to climb this mountain, leaving the servants behind. It's Abraham and his son Isaac. And they're climbing this mountain. They get to the top of the mountain. Abraham builds an altar, ties up Isaac, puts him on the altar, goes to sacrifice his son, and God says, stop. Now I know that the thing you value most in this world is not worth more to you than me. And Abraham turned around, and there in a thicket at the top of the mountain, hung by its horns, was a ram that Abraham took and sacrificed the ram. And he, Abraham and Isaac, walked down the mountain together. But when they were on the top of the mountain, and Abraham had turned around, and he had seen the ram stuck in the thicket. This is what Abraham said in Genesis 22, verse 14. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now this phrase, Jehovah Jireh, that literally means the Lord will provide. That's you know, a Hebrew phrase meaning the Lord will provide. But what's interesting is Abraham didn't necessarily have to come to a, a, a place of this kind of belief the Lord will provide on the mountain. Before they even went up the mountain, Abraham already had this in his heart. Back in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, as they're approaching the mountain, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. So Abraham already believed God would provide before the sacrifice took place. Abraham already believed that, that, that God was going to provide when all that Abraham knew was God said, go and sacrifice Isaac. But Abraham believed ahead of time. Abraham believed ahead of time. He fully believed that God would provide. He fully believed that God was going to do it because God had already promised one of Isaac's children, descendants of whom Isaac had no descendants yet, he was a little child, one of Isaac's future descendants was going to bring salvation to the world. And so because of that, he knew God had to provide some miraculous plan for this to, 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 to work out. He knew God had already promised something. And so if God tells me to do something that, that doesn't make sense to me in the moment because of God's promise over here, I better follow God's direction because God knows something I don't. God can see something I can't see, which was the case with Abraham. God could see already on the mountaintop was a ram stuck in a thicket. God had already provided for Abraham. He had to get there to see the promised provision. Abraham wasn't going to forget that God had promised provision, salvation to the world through Isaac. But a struggle arises in all of us when we forget the promises of the Lord's provision. And the enemy will work overtime to try to get us distracted and miss what God has already promised. We will get distracted and caught up in the moment and, and, and completely forget what God has already said in his word. We will, uh, he will try to prevent us from constantly and consistently applying the principle of God's provision in our lives. I mean, if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, everywhere you went, everything you did, God was going to provide. If you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, every time you pulled out your wallet, there was a fresh, crisp $100 bill in there. Would you have trouble pulling out your wallet? Would you have trouble inviting people to lunch? If you knew every single time, $100 bill. Would you be pulling your wallet out a lot more? 
Yeah, you, don't, don't be looking at me like that. Of course you would. you kidding me? You'd be going to Best Buy this afternoon, getting the biggest TV they had, saying, pull out your wallet, here's 100, putting it back in, pull it out again, here's another 100, put it back in, here's another one. You'd be doing that over and over and over again. You'd be hitting up the car lot on the way home, pulling out a whole lot of wallets out to that one. Don't be acting like, you know, holy and all this. If you knew it was there, you would do it. Abraham knew God was going to provide. He knew it. And so he went on this complete act of faith and walked up that mountain telling his son, God will provide. Not knowing at the time how God would provide, he had no clue how God was going to provide. He, I mean, obviously it doesn't say in the text, but probably in his mind he's thinking up 15 different scenarios about how God could possibly provide which is honestly sometimes we think the opposite. We think of 15 different ways God will not provide. <laughs> how the plan will fail. How we won't make it. How there won't be the money. How the hundred won't be in the wallet. We think of 15 different ways that God's not going to come through. Because the temporary worries of this life crowd out our minds. Crowd out our minds first and then our hearts. Crowd out the thoughts of what God has put there. Crowd out the thoughts and the memories of God's promised provision and fills that space in our minds and in our hearts with, with anxieties and, and thoughts of, of problems and thoughts of potential outcomes, thoughts about a lack of provision in finances, a lack of provision in health, a lack of provision in our job, a lack of provision in safety and security, in friendships, in support, in control of a situation, and on and on and on. Well, Jesus took this concept of provision and spoke about it specifically. He spoke about how sometimes, okay, many times, uh, we focus on what we have determined ahead of time to be a lack rather than focusing on having faith that the Lord will provide. Right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. Matthew 6, oh, excuse me, 25. Matthew 6, 25. If any of you, you know, aren't familiar with this passage, Belle Lindsay can quote it for you word for word as she had to do in Bible class not too long ago. Right, Amen. There we go. Yep. That's the modern amen. Uh, in Matthew 26, starting in verse 25, Jesus gives an illustration to drive his point home, uh, speaking about money, but talking about this mindset of lack uh, that causes anxiety. It can go to anything, not just money. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now Jesus was speaking to a people who struggled at times worrying about having enough money for clothes because the clothes were wearing out. Maybe the kids were getting too big too tall for their clothes, for their shoes wearing out. Maybe he was also speaking to a people, he says there, uh, who, who were worried about food, where their next meal was going to come from. They were, they were consumed with how to make sure they had enough for themselves and for their families. 
that was a first century worry, though, right? That's not a 21st century worry, right? That was just back then. Nobody worries about any of that anymore, right? Because the Bible's outdated. It's not applicable anymore, right? Well, of course we all still worry about this. He says, don't be anxious about anything in your life. Anybody anxious about anything ever? Anybody? A third of you. Well, two-thirds of you are so anxious about raising your hand, you're not raising your hand. You're anxious about stuff. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into their barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? He says, look at the birds of the field. They don't sow or reap or gather into their barn. They don't store up, but their heavenly Father makes sure they have food. Now, notice, though, the first he uses the illustration of the bird here because the bird still has to work for food. The bird still has to go and get food. But he doesn't know, the bird doesn't know where the food's going to come from. He has to go out there and work for it and get it. He doesn't know where it's going to come from, but God provides it every single time. And so Jesus is saying, and that's just a bird. That's not even people. People who were the pinnacle of God's creation. People who originally were made in God's image. People that God designed and God desires a relationship with. Jesus says, if he will do that much for birds... How much more will he do that for you? And yet birds don't worry. Birds don't have, suffer from anxiety about their food, where their food's going to come from, where their next meal's going to come from, how they're going to be adorned when they receive it. You say, well, that's because, you know, birds are dumb. <laughs> their brains are teeny tiny, and they don't have, you know, they don't have the capacity to worry about it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we get to heaven and that bird's talking to you, you can tell that bird how dumb it is. But maybe, just maybe, the bird has become so confident in the provision of every single day that there's no need for worry. I mean, just think back, if you know Scripture very much, to the Old Testament. The Israelites wandering in the wilderness. Some of the biggest complainers in all of Scripture about anything and everything. Within just a matter of days of a miracle, they'll complain about God not doing anything. You go back and look at it. God parts the Red Sea. God obliterates the army of Egypt, the mightiest army on the face of the earth. It's like three days later they're complaining because God's not doing anything for them. Biggest complainers. Go read Numbers chapter 11. Start with complaining, ends with complaining. God still provides. But those people, even the complaining people, woke up every single day and what was on the ground? Food. Did they worry about food? No, because they had 40 years of experience of God providing it every single day. Even though they complained, even though they lacked faith, they didn't worry because they experienced it. Not only that, what's the other thing Jesus talked about this passage? He talks about worrying about your food, about your life. He talks about worrying about your clothes. Those people in the wilderness... It tells us when they finished wandering the wilderness and entered the promised land, what it tells us is a very interesting fact, that during those 40 years wandering in the wilderness, they never had to make new clothes because God prevented their clothes from wearing out. God prevented their sandals from wearing out. 
The soles weren't rubbed raw. There wasn't holes poking through the bottoms. There wasn't holes in the elbows of their clothes. God supernaturally built durability into these clothes. Miraculously into these clothes. God provided for them. And they were some of the biggest complainers in all of Scripture. How much more? How much more? Just like he provides for the bird. Just like he provides. Look at this. Verse 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So he says, okay, think about the bird. God provides for the bird. Now think about the flowers in the field. Some of those beautiful things in all the earth. God provides that for them, that attire for them. He says, even Solomon, who even the estimates of today may have been the wealthiest person who's ever existed in all of humanity. Jesus says, even Solomon wasn't dressed, didn't look as nice as one of these flowers in the field. God provided that for the flower, and yet, Verse 29, uh, 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how or will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he provides that for the flower in the field, even though it's going to get trampled, even though it's going to get destroyed, even though it won't last very long. He still provides that beauty, that, that, that clothing, that attire for that flower. How much more will he do it for you? The thing he cherishes above all else, humanity. And yet we worry so powerfully about these things. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? He's he's building up to the kicker. I hope you all are getting ready for this. He's building up to the kicker. He says, do not be anxious about these things. Your needs, basically, right? What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. The things you have to have. You notice he doesn't say, don't worry about what kind of cell phone you're going to get next. Or don't worry about, you know, having the nicest shoes on the block. Or don't worry about having the nicest this, that, or the other thing. He just says, these are basic needs, Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Your needs. Verse 32. He says, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, Jesus isn't speaking racially here in verse 32. Jews and Gentiles. Uh, He's speaking in spiritual terms. uh, Because they would use the phrase Gentile to, to talk about people who don't believe in God. So he's saying people who don't believe in God seek after that stuff, pursue that stuff. They chase after that stuff, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear. They chase after money to pay for all that stuff. He says, you don't need to do that. You believers, followers of God, you're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to chase after that stuff. You're supposed to chase after God. He says they seek after these things. They pursue these things. These things occupy their minds on a consistent basis. What are they going to buy next? Their Amazon carts are constantly flooding before their eyeballs about what's coming next. He says the unbelievers think about this stuff. He says, but, what does he say there? Your heavenly father knows you need this stuff. He knows you need food. He knows you need water. He knows you need clothes. He knows better than us. You know why? 
He made you. So he knows what it takes to make your body operate because he made it. And now here it is. Here's the home run swing, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way, his, his plan, and all these things will be added to you. So keeping your minds on Jesus and having faith to provide, uh, that he will provide for us, it opens our eyes to his provision. Because, I mean, it's a guarantee. If you seek first these things, all your needs will be added to you. All your needs will be given to you. He said, seek first. So I want you to solidify in your mind. There are promises all over Scripture, and this is one of them. Matthew 6, a promise from the Son of God. You seek God first. He's got your needs covered. He's got them covered. So those anxieties about where is it going to come from, those anxieties about what's going to happen, those anxieties about the lack of this or the lack of that need not be there because if we're seeking God first, then we don't have time to be seeking this other stuff. If God has our attention, we don't have time to put our attention on all these other things. What do they say? Uh, I, I should have written this down, this adage. He who rows the boat doesn't have time to tip it over. If you're focused on, you know, moving forward in the plan of God, you're not focused on anything else. You're not focused on anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you focus on God... Focus. And sometimes that focusing on God takes a great amount of, of, uh, uh, of effort. I was talking to Jared. Jared's preaching next week. And uh, we were talking about that because there's no children's church next week. Last Sunday of the month, no children's church. And I said, so next week, I said, the first year that I was here as a pastor, some of y'all may remember this. Uh, now, we, we, I'm, I'm not downplaying anything because I, I absolutely love now um, it was a, more of a struggle then than it is now. I, I love noise in the room, lots of noise. Babies making noise, people making noise. I like it. But it threw me off my first year as a lead pastor preaching on a Sunday morning. There was a, a, a baby screaming. Now, not like baby crying, like pulling your fingernails out, screaming. For a solid 20 minutes in the room. Uh, and, 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 and again, just saying, now I, I'm not phased. But then, then I, I wasn't experienced in this very much. Uh, and so I, I remember, I, I can remember, I was standing right here. I think we still had the fiberglass pulpit. And, and, and I was telling Jared, and it just came back to me even more now standing up here. Uh, but just dialing in my focus on the scripture and focusing on that back wall and not looking at anybody in the room. And it took so much effort. Because as a parent, we've got five kids. When one kid screams, five seconds is an eternity. 20 minutes is really, really long. 
uh, and so I'm, I remember it took so much effort, so much to just dial it in. It's okay, okay, okay. Um, what would I say? God, God what? God, God loves, God loves what? God loves, God, uh, the whole world. That's it. How much? How much? That he sent, who did he send? His one and only son? So it was like that. Right? It takes sometimes when you're trying to focus on the kingdom of God and what He's got, it takes so much effort. But the effort is worth it to dial it in and focus on His kingdom and His purpose and, and His plan. And He says, if you do that, then there's no reason to worry about this other stuff. It's coming. It's coming. And that's the exact same thing that Abraham went through back in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, when He says, The Lord will provide. Uh, On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It's that last phrase that's key. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The Lord provided on the mountain. Abraham Abraham had to be on the mountain of the Lord to receive the provision. Abraham wasn't receiving the provision at the base of the mountain. He wasn't receiving the provision back in the tent. He could only receive the provision on the mountain. He had to climb it to get there. The provision was waiting for him in the thicket on the mountain. He had to go up there to get it. That reminds me of Moses. When God came to Moses in the burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses started giving God every excuse under the sun about why he couldn't do that. God, I can't go. I've got other obligations. God, I can't go. I don't know your name. God, I can't go. The people won't believe me. God, I can't go. I don't talk good. He gave God all these excuses, and God gave him an answer for every single one. And when he finally got to that last one, uh, Scripture says God got mad at Moses and says, Moses, I hear you saying you don't talk well. He says, you don't have to. I'm going to tell you what to say. You're going to tell your brother what to say, and your brother's going to announce it to the room. And how I've already known we're going to be here, I sent your brother ahead. If you look out towards the horizon, here he comes over the hill. God sent Aaron, Moses' brother, days ahead of time, before God and Moses even started talking in the burning bush. God sent Aaron, Moses' brother, days ahead of time to be there. God had already provided for something Moses didn't even know he needed provided yet. The same here with Abraham on the mountain in Genesis 22. The ram was in the thicket. Moses is there, or Abraham's there, building the altar, doing the wood, putting his son on the altar, and the ram is in the thicket. God could have provided the ram supernaturally in a moment. He could have. But the implication from the passage is the ram was there. The ram was there. But God had to point it out. God had already provided on the mountain. Far too often, what ends up happening to us is that we never make it to the top of the mountain of the Lord to receive the provision. We'll end up staying in our tent thinking about all the ways this could go wrong. We end up thinking about all the things that someone could possibly be thinking about us or a situation. We end up thinking about how things are are just not going to work out, how how God isn't going to step in, how God isn't going to live up to the promise. But this mountain that Moses had to climb in Genesis 22, it represents our journey of faith. Climbing the mountain to see God's provision. Do we fully trust God enough that he will provide? Do we really trust that God's going to keep his promise 
from Matthew 6, 23. All these things will be added to you. Because if we believe it, then we've got to start climbing the mountain before we see the provision. We've got to start climbing the mountain before we have opportunity to receive the provision. We have to start climbing the mountain that God has told us to walk towards. Abraham there in Genesis 22, he wasn't worried at all. He wasn't anxious at all. He had absolute faith that the Lord would provide everything that he needed. Even when everything seemed dire, even when everything seemed helpless and hopeless, when there seemed to be no way to figure out a way out of the scenario and the situation of sacrificing his son, Abraham had complete faith that God was going to provide. He was absolutely confident that the Lord's provision would be waiting for him at the top of the mountain. He was seeking first the kingdom of God. And he experienced all those things he needed being added to him when he got there. Abraham had faith in God's promise. He had faith in God's promise. And Abraham wasn't superhuman. He wasn't exceptionally blessed with faith. We see time and again throughout Scripture where he failed in his faith. But So Abraham is just like us. And yet he had faith in the moment that God would provide. And he believed in Matthew 6.23 before Matthew 6.23 ever happened. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so we have to do really what, what Abraham did. We have to decide before we get to the moment of decision if we're going to believe. Like I said, Abraham, when he's talking to Isaac as they are journeying towards the top of the mountain, says God's going to provide when we get there. We have to decide ahead of time that the Lord will provide what he has promised. We have to decide if we're going to believe God or not. We have to decide if we're going to believe Jesus or not. Because things are going to get tough and things are going to get tight and things are going to get difficult and health is going to fail. And things are not going to look, look very promising. And we have to have already decided, will I believe in God's promise from Matthew 6.23 or not? See, not only was God going to provide for Abraham as he did, and Jesus gives us his promise in 6.23 of Matthew. But God actually takes Abraham's sacrificial faith from Genesis 22 and uses it as an example of, of the very fulfilled promise for which Abraham was believing, one of his descendants saving the world. Back up in, I'm going to show you this, uh, Genesis 22.12. God, when God stopped Abraham from the sacrifice... God said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, remember that language. You have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Back in, uh, up in Romans 8.32, Paul said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? So just as Abraham did not spare his own son, God, through Paul in the book of Romans, said God did not spare his own son. So Abraham, in the demonstration of his faith, trusting in the Lord's provision, God took that example in Romans 8 and said God did the same thing by sending Jesus. Did not spare his son. Sent him to come and be sacrificed for us. Send him to come 
and die and raise for us. So Abraham did not spare his son because he had faith. And God provides eternal life for us when we have faith. Abraham had faith that God would provide, and God provided. We have faith that God will provide, and he provided. He provides eternal life. And if that were all he ever provided, that eternal life would be more than enough for us to everlasting, constantly be praising God, be grateful to God. If all he ever provided for us was eternal life. But God provides so much more. As he said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, the Lord provides more than everything we will ever need. He always provides. Always provides. For some of us, that's a struggle to, to, we can read it and we can say we believe it from Ephesians 3.20 and Matthew 6.33. All these things will be added to you. We can see it there on the page. But when it comes to the moment, sometimes it's difficult to live out. When we can look at the balance sheet or we can look at the bank statement or we can look at how much we actually got in our wallet. Say, I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill. I don't know how we're going to buy that food at Walmart. I don't know how we're going to, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where it's coming from. Well, if we go back to the promise in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Are you seeking first? This, and this is a test of that. Jesus, or the Lord speaks about this in Malachi chapter 3. This is a test of that of trusting the Lord when it comes, let's just use Jesus' illustration, with money. Have you ever come to the moment or the struggle of I've got to pay for this bill, this health insurance, this bag of groceries, or I've got to tithe to the Lord? Don't raise your hand. This is a need. We won't eat. But the Lord said, give to him. Malachi chapter 3 that I said a second ago, God said, test me. Just try. He says, just try. If you give, he says, I promise. He says, I will open the storehouses of heaven, and you're going to have more than you ever thought possible. He tells us to try in that because this is a, a, a test. The only time in Scripture God says, test me. He says, just test it and see if it works. Just see if it works. Try to give, and if you give a tithe, the 10%, begin there, grow from there, if your faith grows. But, but if you try it and it works, then it should be, be expanded to every part of your life then. Because God knows we need, more often than not, we need a physical demonstration of his truth. We need to see it, touch it, feel it, experience it. I can me and Katie, we can testify it. There were years in our first few years of our marriage, it was, we got a tithe, or we got a get insurance. Like, I don't know if y'all know me very well, but I break stuff a lot. Broke my wrist, I got like eight screws in this wrist, I got three screws in this hand, I got cuts all over the place. I need it. I'm one of those that they put me on the poster. You need insurance? Look at this guy, that's me. And 
It, was that, it can come down to that kind of thing. But if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, it's not even a question. It's not even a question. And you know what happened? I, I can just remember, like in our, in our lives, we, it did, the money was not there. Like it was not. And it wasn't one of those miraculous, a check came in the mail, we don't know who it came from. It was not there. Money didn't show up. But you know what happened at the end of the month? Somehow, both checks cleared. <laughs> to this day, I don't know how it happened. Banks don't make that kind of mistake without catching it and making you pay it back. Somehow, God supernaturally provided. And I didn't know how, I don't know how it happened. He can do that with you. That's not something he just does for preachers. At that point, I was a youth ministry intern. He does that for everybody. Because that's what he says in his promise. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Period. He doesn't say comma, asterisk, look down in the footnotes, except these people, and he lists out your names. He says, no, if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, all this stuff will be added to you. Just do it and see what happens. Just follow the Lord and see what happens because he always provides. He provides everything we will ever need. And the key is the Lord provides right on time every time. The Lord provides right on time every time. He gives you what you need right at the right moment you need it. If, if you've been here for any period of time, you've heard me say before, he's not going to give you something you need on step 15 when you're only on step 4 of your life walking in his plan. He'll give it to you when you need it. You don't need it yet. We like to know stuff ahead of time. We like to have stuff planned out ahead of time. God, I know that money's going to be needed when I get to this day, but God, I need to know now that it's going to be there because if I don't know now that it's going to be there when I get to the day, I'm just going to worry and have all this anxiety and lose all this sleep between now and then. But that's the whole passage. Do not be anxious about your life, he says. The Lord, your heavenly Father, was the phrase Jesus used. Your heavenly Father knows that you need it. So he knows you need it. He's going to take care of it. He knows you need it. He's going to take care of it. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God, if you're walking in his plan, following what he's got for you, if you've climbed the mountain, the provision's on the mountain, but you've got to get there first to see his provision. If the Lord guided you there, what's the adage? Where the Lord guides, the Lord provides. But the opposite is also true. Sometimes the Lord guides by what he doesn't provide. If we're following the Lord, his provision will always be there. His provision in his time, in his place, but what he will provide. Not what we expect, not what we think we need, but is really a want, but what he knows we need will be there. What he knows we need will be there every single time. Every single time. The Lord provides right on time, every time. From my own story, I've told before, when I was trying to decide where to go to college, I wanted to go to this one school, but I knew God wanted me to go to this other school. The school I wanted to go to had a basketball program, so that was my plan, go play basketball at this school. God said, nope, you're going to go to this school. And I said, God, I don't want to. They don't have a basketball program. They had actually just gotten into a fight on national TV during their basketball game, so the president suspended their basketball program. I said, God, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going where they have basketball. And so 
uh, I spent, well, my dad was a music minister, so we'd have a whole lot of money, so I couldn't go to the basketball school yet. Uh, or no, I'm getting ahead of myself. This was my senior year in high school. I said, I want to go to the basketball school. God said, go to this school. And so I argued with God for a year because I wanted to go to the basketball school. And I finally gave in to God after I graduated high school, June, before I'm supposed to leave for school in August. I said, okay, fine, God, I'll give up the basketball school. Look into it. Well, it's too late to get in the other school. <laughs> so I went to junior college. Hey, hey, junior college, right? Community colleges are phenomenal. Uh, every parent will tell you, same classes, tenth the price. <laughs> That's the way. And they're really smart professors, right? There you go. Amen from the back of the room. Uh, and so I went there for a year, and then I, I got into the other school. Again, my dad ministered, don't have money to pay for school. Um, but we knew that's where I was supposed to be. God led that. Get through June. I'm leaving for school in a few weeks. Uh, uh, get to the end of July. I'm leaving in two weeks. Still, no idea how we're paying for school. And it's not cheap, expensive. My dad and I went and saw a movie. He came back. Mom's crying at the kitchen table. Mom cried a lot, so, you know, I was leaving for school. So, yeah, okay, mom crying. But there was a check there on the kitchen table for the entire first year's worth of tuition. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his plan in his way, it will be added. Every time, every time, it takes a leap of faith. You don't know it's going to be there until you take the step. Abraham, or, yeah, Abraham didn't know that the ram was on top of the mountain until he got there. You've got to get there to see it. You can't see the provision if you're still sitting in your tent worrying about where the provision is going to be. You're never going to see it if you're sitting in your tent. Abraham had to walk three days and climb a mountain to see the provision. Sometime all we got to do to see the provision is put the phone down. We got to see the provision. It's right there. But the Lord provides right on time, every time. It's a guaranteed promise. And so anything that comes in our mind that, that will tell us you, you, it's not going to be there, the provision's not going to be there, is not from God. That's the enemy trying to mess you up. Because the Lord provides right on time, every time. So is there anything in your life right now about which you're struggling to believe in the Lord's provision? Is there anything in your life right now you got, you know, like, I don't know if the provision is going to be there. I hear what you're saying, preacher, but it's, I, I see Matthew 6, 23. I see Ephesians chapter 3 more than we can ever ask or imagine. But God, I, I, I don't know. Well, or right now, are you like Abraham before he started climbing the mountain when he said, I know the provision will be there? Do you need to decide right now ahead of time that, the, that whether or not you're going to trust God. Whether or not you're going to believe that he will keep his promise of Matthew 6, 20, uh, Matthew 6, 33, his promise that all these things will be added to you. Do you need to decide right now that you're going to trust him? You're going to trust him that he will provide for you. Maybe right now what you actually need to do is you need to trust that he will provide eternal life for you. 
This, this phrase, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, he has provided life. He has provided eternity. If we simply believe Jesus, the Son of God, died for all of our sins to be forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead so we can live after we die. If you believe that, he has provided eternal life for anybody and everybody without discrimination. You don't got to dress a certain way. You don't got to look a certain way. You don't have to, to, to pay a cover charge. You don't got to say magic words. There's not something you can do tomorrow that can take away his salvation he's provided. He's giving it away for free if you just believe in him. He provided it. Will you believe in that provision today? Provision for eternal life, but also provision for your lunch. The Lord provides right on time, every time.